0: What's going on, Mamas? You are now tuned in to another episode of the Mom Dynasty Podcast. Hosted by me, your girl, Miss Bred the Boss, aka The Mama Motivator. AKA, your mama best friend in your head. I really can't wait to get into today's episode, you guys. The guest that I had on the show is so freaking amazing and of course by the title you probably already know we're going to talk about why it's okay to feel like shit sometimes in motherhood because let's be honest some of these days can feel pretty shitty so we are definitely going to help you kill the mom guilt for when you do have those bad days and to embrace them and know that we all go through them sis Before we get into the show, if you are one of my ATL Mama listeners, I want to let you know what's happening in the city this weekend that you and the fam can go and experience and have a great time. So first, the holiday nights at the Botanical Garden is back and this Saturday they are having a holiday ride on train from 10 to 4 Definitely take the kiddos on there. It looked really fun online. I've never been and I'm planning to go visit them this holiday season because I want to do more. I don't begin getting out like that, y'all. If you know me on Instagram, you see me at the house most of the days, every day, pretty much looking a hot mess working. <laughs> but I do want to do more this holiday season and get out and kind of go to the most main attractions. Uh, That's here in Atlanta. So that's one thing that's happening. The Stone Mountain Christmas is starting this Saturday as well. And they are here until January 2nd. Well, everything's up until January 2nd. So definitely want to take the kids there. Um, That's on my bucket list too. I've never been during this time either. So I'm excited to try these things out. If you want to go on a little staycation and travel out of the city, um, there is a license to chill at Margaritaville at Lake Lanier that has snow tubing hills, carnival rides, ice skating rinks, And cocktails for parents with so much more. Um, definitely head over to mommypoppins.com. That's where I get all of this information from. Again, it's not sponsored or anything like that. I just found them and I love the information that she shares on the blog. So I want to share it with you guys. Head over there to get all the details for the events that I just mentioned that are starting and happening this weekend. Getting into this weather, of course, like last week, I told y'all we have completely skipped fall and went straight into winter. Today's going to be a little okay, it's not going to be that chilly. Um, today's high is going to be 67, tomorrow, Saturday is going to be 54, y'all, with Sunday being at a high of 58 it's gonna be a chilly weekend. Sounds like we're gonna be having some chili and some cornbread this weekend. This is the perfect weekend for some chili, some homemade chili, because it's gonna be too cold to go anywhere. So if you are going to be out and about, make sure you wrap them babies up. Wrap yourself up because we ain't trying to get sick this season, okay? Enough talking. If you are in your car, I want you to roll the windows up because it's too cold to have them down. Anyway, girl, turn that heat on. If you are still in bed listening to this or if you are listening to this in the evening time, turn the headphones up. Make sure the kids are away. Sit back, relax, and let's get into the show. Yay! what's going on mamas you are now tuned in to another episode of the mom dynasty and today we are talking about mental health and motherhood and i am so excited to have mal on the show with me she is a licensed therapist and she's going to give us some great tips for us mamas to get our mental together so, mal, <laughs> welcome to the show tell the mamas a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a therapist
1: yes thank you for having me and what's up mamas yeah i um was born and raised in lynn massachusetts so in a big cambodian community luckily um so being a child of refugees and immigrants mental health was not talked about right like we we recognized as we got older that like the stuff that we that our parents went through was tough as hell and i was just always really curious of you know what that meant because seeing my mom and my dad they had really different mental health journeys where my dad really grew from it and he just recovered and made a lot of meaning making. He actually was like an informal social worker in the Lin community. He opened up his own business and helped the new, newly immigrated um, Khmer folks come in. And my mom had a, a, a tougher time. You know, she struggled, I imagine it was like undiagnosed like PTSD and a lot of anxiety and stuff. So that always kind of interested me. And looking back, I actually myself struggled with depression and anxiety also not you know treated because that like what does that mean for us in a my household um and yeah so I got and I am huge true crime like forensic psychology nerd so I was so I was always really into like law and order SVU and I was like oh word I want to do that and my psychology teacher in high school was like oh yeah there'd be some like therapist charging two hundred dollars for a session I said what what (laughs) to do what? Like, just sit there and listen, and like help people. I was like, I like to help people for free. (laughs) So like that kind of sparked my, my um, interest in looking into it. So yeah, so now, you know, after my military service, um, I went to grad school, and now I'm an independently licensed social worker practicing outpatient therapy in my own private practice, uh, reset and resilient wellness, for um so my it's a newly it's a new business but I've been practicing like for seven years now
0: wow okay so I have to ask what's the difference between a therapist and a psychiatrist oh girl I could tell you <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's a good question because you yeah you, you hear a lot of the different
1: like terms right so a lot of it is based on their schooling and licensure and what they can do right so you have your master's leveled mental health therapist slash counselors same thing those folks can diagnose um treat do therapy as long as they're in their licensed within their their state and psychologists are all either phd or they call psyd um and they are the folks with the doctorates and they cannot prescribe but they also they could do therapy di- diagnose and they do testing like psychological evaluations where I am not trained or, or licensed to do that then you have your psychiatrists they're actually medical doctors that have specialized in the psychiatric mental health field but I will say like that sounds like a word like they're probably the best of the best they do more medication stuff. They, mm. it's not, you You will meet some psychiatrists that like to do therapy and will incorporate that in their sessions. Right. But don't be surprised if you like, you're like, word, I'm finally gonna get mental health care and then see a psychiatrist. And you get 15 minutes with them and they're like, word, here's some like Zoloft or Wellbutrin and you're like, bitch, I wanted to talk about my right. <laughs> And And they don't give you the space. And it's because, again, and that's that like colonial- you know, white centered type of care for psych- psych- like psychiatry and psychology is like, it's very money-making yeah. realistically. So yeah, part of my journey and appro- approach in my mental health treatment with clients and myself too, is, um, liberation oriented in, in decolonizing mental health treatment and wellness.
0: Wow. That is totally different. Like I've never heard anybody have that type of yeah. like specific. Of who We're out are. there. Yes, That is amazing. So what do you, I know you talk to a lot of mothers. What's the mm-hmm. most common mental health concern that you see amongst moms? So the most common thing is guilt and shame. And mm-hmm. then that
1: comes, that is rooted in a lot of different things, right? So the guilt and shame of I don't like my baby right now. I want my baby to get the hell out of my face. Um, Or I had a a traumatic birth story and I feel like shit because nobody told me about it or people told me like, you'll have this connection with my baby. So that was a big push of like why I really, so my like niche population is working with first-time therapy seekers. So that could look like new moms, new parents, um, you know, child of immigrants, immigrants, um, anybody that has never done therapy before, like I have such a special space for my, my practice, because I don't want you to get burned by the mental health care. Um, because there, there are, there are therapists that do harm, like, and I'll call it out and I will fight, (laughs) I will fight them. I will throw hands (laughs) because I, I, we, we all, you know, in social media, like Instagram and TikTok has been such a beautiful space to find the folks That look like us, that think like us, that have experiences like us, that are doing the work. So it's definitely in in a in a great space now. But there are still some folks out there that are still like the very traditional, um, like white centered. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Do you think social media has made therapy more of a trend, or do you think it's really brought awareness to mental health?
1: Yeah, I think I think both. Um. I see people capitalizing and kind of minimizing mental health maybe, or like using that for clout. But I I see it as a a beautiful way of awareness, right? Like,
0: even if it is a trend, at least it's out there. It's getting more normalized. Yes, because people now have a, a more calmer sense I guess of mm-hmm. going to therapy and it's not like oh something's really wrong with me and if I tell somebody I'm going to therapy yeah I'm psycho right <laughs> but it's right. really like no you need to talk about these childhood mm-hmm. traumas and things that are going on I know when I had started and I really need to get back on into it because it is something mm-hmm. that is not a quick fix and yes it is something that you need to continue and that's one of my mm-hmm. things I looked at it as like oh it's gonna be a quick fix but now I'm like no girl like this <laughs> is something Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's such great
1: awareness. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to be as real and authentic as I can with my potential clients. too, right. Console. I'm like, you know, I really give that space to be like, what, you know, what are you looking to essentially achieve? You know, what will it look like when you're not in therapy anymore? Because I want to, I want to then recognize like, what are your expectations? Because I'm not here to make you happy. Um, I can't teach you that I can teach you this the tools so essentially like happy is bullshit right happy mm-hmm. is relative and happy is not you can't be happy all the time like um, our emotions are there for a reason the the good and the bad labels have been put on by society and then it's been capitalized on right of like oh you feel bad go do yoga in this really white space that you feel like shit being in right <laughs> Yeah, I could go on a tangent about that, right? But um, so yeah, so like, I really, I really make the realistic thing of like, this, this may seem clinical and medical. But it's, it's so much different, because the work that's being done is outside of this 50 minutes that we
0: have together. Yes. Okay, so what are some signs that we as women or mothers can Mm -hmm. kind of look for in our uh, in our lives to show that we're struggling with some type of mental health issue right because some people will be going through something and not realize like man this is something I need to get help with they think Mm -hmm. that this is regular this is normal so what are some signs that you should look out for
1: yeah so so a lot of the the things that like say say if we're saying like postpartum like, immediately postpartum, right, it's, it's the kind of the stuff that they tell you at the hospital of, like, looking for signs of, like, isolation, withdrawal, right, like, not, not wanting to see anybody, and really dark thoughts about yourself and the baby, right, so sometimes, like, so for me, in my experience, um, when I had postpartum with my first child, my daughter, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to die. Like, I never thought like, oh, I want to die. But I always thought like, it would be better if I wasn't here. This is too yeah. much. I can't do this. Um, and I also had thoughts of like, not hurting the baby, but I was like, th- this baby fucking sucks. I hate yeah. this baby, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really, and I really grieved like my life before kids too. So, you know, when, when you're in that space of, you're having more thoughts than not, that's, you know, I think that's a, a, that's a big indicator to, to seek support and it doesn't have to be professional support at first, right? Like it could be literally your partner or a parent or a friend. Um, but just don't do it alone. Like honestly, or go, go on a mom community and be like, you know, read some thoughts and just know that you're not the only one going through it and you're not wrong or a bad mom or a bad parent for thinking those things. We have so much stuff that we're going through, like literally a release of hormones. Yes. Um, you just had a baby, like you literally created and had a baby. So, like, that's a lot of shit going on too.
0: Yes, and we don't take time to really think about that. Like, yeah, we really just gave birth to a whole ass human. Like this, this was not <laughs> real. Like, this isn't nothing to play with. We like this is a living, breathing person that yeah. is growing and grows and has a mind and a brain and a soul like that is <laughs> yeah. that's a lot and it's mm-hmm. like society and the world will make it seem like you gotta just snap right back and you're gonna just yep. go right back to how it was and mm-hmm. nobody really which is why I, I really loved your platform and love the way that you talk to your clients and your audiences because it's from a real standpoint like you're like hey i went through postpartum so i'm gonna tell you exactly how to get through it a lot of people are afraid and you can yeah Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. feel bad for going Mm -hmm. through it there's nothing to feel bad about did you experience Mm -hmm. postpartum with both with all of your children
1: no so so a bitch got on some antidepressants afterwards (laughs) 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 so (laughs) i um so I had my daughter, and I did some like um, traditional therapy, which was amazing. It worked. Uh, it worked really well in like the short term, right? But then at that point, I was like, I'm I, I'm ready to like dig deep because I had you know, as a child to immigrants and uh, refugees, we had some shit to to right. heal, right? Some wounds we had to talk about. So then I decided to um, engage in weekly therapy, and, and then when I was in a better space of like my life was feeling like it kind of slowed down and stabilized. I wasn't always scared that my baby was going to die. Right. Cause she was like seven months by then. So I'm like, she's good. it's (laughs) She figured out. Um, (laughs) I was like, dang, why am I still like super, like very low energy? um, Didn't want to do anything. Like even taking walks with the family was really hard. I was always fatigued. And then so recognizing what that means in your body and knowing kind of the depression symptoms, right? Like a depression, clinical depression looks different for for a lot of people. Um, It could be thoughts or it could be like physical manifestations. And for me, it was that physical manifestation. So I was like, dang, I need to go talk to like my doc to see about antidepressants like i think at this point i need some extra help and in so with antidepressants the one that i take um it's an ssri so it helps with your serotonin levels right mm-hmm. so um so they have other stuff like other medications that a lot of people don't like because it makes you feel numb and it does this so where are so- and i'm not a prescriber i'm not a doctor and i'm definitely not sponsored but i mean <laughs> if you want to <laughs> hit a girl up, I'm just um, but like with SSRIs, they're they're like the lower impact type of medication. So it helps it helps with the serotonin, which is like your happy your happy chemical, your happy yeah. brain chemical. So yeah, so that's where essentially um, my journey. So I had that, and then my my son, I stayed on the Zoloft the whole time. I'm still on it, and it's game changer. Like. Really? really, I was still myself. I actually have you ever seen those like depression um, commercials where it's like the sad cartoon with yes. the like gloomy cloud The, rain, right, the rain yes. cloud over you. <laughs> yes. No, I was that was me. And then I legit like that was what popped in my head when I started to feel like myself again. I literally felt this like gloomy cloud just come off of me, and so I still felt the feelings, wow. you know. I but it just wasn't as intense, so I could do the work.
0: Wow, that's, I love your honesty because a lot of people, yeah. seriously, a lot of people will see that as a shameful thing. Like, oh my God, I'm on medication for this. Ah. No, but- that day I was like, y'all, do you know about this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I wanted to touch on one thing that you said um, about yes. um, healing traumas in the Khmer community. What yeah. traumas are a part of that? Because my my dad's Cambodian. And we never really had a great relationship. And a lot of that, I think, is because of the cultural difference. And I really don't Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. anything that really goes on within the Kamai community. Like speaking to you and speaking to all the other uh, moms that I've had on Mm -hmm. that are Kamai has Mm -hmm. been like the most involved. I've been in the community my entire life. And so I'm interested to hear, like, what are some traumas that you guys or that the community has experienced that maybe I need to understand when it comes to my dad. more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, and it's interesting too. I, I always, like it still blows my mind how, how recent this has happened. Right. So for our non-Khmai listeners, right. We, in the, it was it 1975 the Khmer Rouge uh, Pol Pot regime, which was a very, i don't even want to say they were communists because i i'm pulling away from that but they were just a fucking shit show yeah. um regime that essentially mass murdered genocide cambodia because they were trying to bring and this was after the vietnam war this was like five years after the vietnam war and i'm gonna i'm gonna shit on america too because america had a big part on A lot of the like discord and political stuff um but that's another podcast (laughs) time (laughs) um but yeah so so because of that right so so this Khmer Rouge we had this huge civil war genocide and my dad was actually a freedom fighter um he has a beautiful beautiful story and the reason why I was able to learn about it because he was very open about it and and like very age appropriate right but he he fled um and left Cambodia at like 15 or 16 to Thailand, got arrested and got put in a like refugee jail thingy cause he was kind of a badass. And then he was about to get sponsored to come to America and um, freedom fighters, Khmer freedom fighters came and was like, hey, who wants to go back and fight against the Khmer Rouge? And he was like, me. So oh, motherfucker wow. jumped on a truck bed went back across the border and fought against the Khmer Rouge for like three years. Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah, and he was like, and it's interesting. So I served in the Air Force, the US Air Force, for almost seven years. And when I joined, we had, you know, those like typical fatigues, like those camo fatigues. My dad's like, oh, I wore those. I was like, the fuck you did? (laughs) He's like, no, I did. He's like, I wore those and I had M16s. I was like, why? He's like, because the US supplied Cambodia with military shit to fight against the Viet Cong. Which was a whole nother story, but yeah, I know I did not know that, yeah, so homie he was actually known as um sop Vang, which means long hair, so he had what? really long yeah. hair, <laughs> and he was fighting in flip flops, like, wow. yeah, so 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 that's why my dad, I think, has a a different um. A different experience with that trauma because there was a lot of meaning making for him, right? So we yeah. hear about PTSD, which is post tra- uh, post stress. Post, hold on, PT <laughs> post trauma. Wait, what is
0: it? Post traumatic stress.
1: Yes, post traumatic. Like, <laughs> post traumatic stress disorder. But there's also post traumatic stress growth, where you grow from mm-hmm. from whatever shitty thing happened, right? So, um. So yeah, so a lot of the Khmer folks that didn't have the experience of my dad experience literally losing losing their parent or losing their family members, yeah. um, surviving starvation, living in a refugee camp, um, that alone is is also traumatizing that we don't think about. So like, so you know, art bongs, like the the ones that are only a few years older than us that were born in the refugee camps, you know, we think like, oh, they've only been, you know, they grew up in the states. Um, but they were so young in the refugee camps; they don't remember. But like our bodies remember, our emotions remember. So I think that's a piece that hasn't really been tapped into. So yeah, so the kind of the wounds and the traumas that that are present is not talking about the war. Yeah, right. Really pushing pushing those feelings away, not talking about um, the loss that has been had by our our yeah. parents. And her grandparents, and the and not just lost in, in family members, but the loss in country, loss, loss in culture, yeah. yeah, absolutely loss in safety. Um, and you know that was really humbling for me growing up. Once I recognized what my parents did and the sacrifice that they did, I'm like, fuck, they like, I don't know how I I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. leave you know, a whole, ass whole country, country to come to, yes, <laughs> to yeah. come
0: here and don't know English, nothing, right? Have no money on a boat. to figure it out in like Mm -hmm. a random place and then
1: kids and then have kids right? on top of that having kids so um so yeah so that that's essentially a lot of things and because of that you know they're busy surviving and trying to like literally feed and clothe and you know put a roof over our heads then us as children of immigrants and refugees especially as like war war torn yeah um refugees right um we then don't get the emotional bonding we don't get the the you know the culture we yes, don't we get exactly. emotionally neglected yeah th- so yeah. those were the wounds right those are the wounds that I experienced like my dad actually did really well when we moved in Lynn. he he had his own business was making really well so we grew up financially stable but I mean and he also left a lot too so like for business so he was always like emotionally like he was very emotionally there like he me and him had a really great um relationship but it was more so my mom because she really struggled with her mental health stuff um and she was a younger mom too so she didn't know how to connect at all not to put her shit on blast sorry mom (laughs) but you know it was really hard for her to to connect and you know I know she had some she had heavy depression um and PTSD that went untreated because she you know didn't think she
0: needed help yeah and that's where me and my father's relationship kind of is like, right? We don't have any type of emotional connection. He's like, I could probably count on one hand how many times he's actually hugged me or, Mm. you know, did, treating me like a daughter, right? I've always got treated like the sons, like the Mm. Mm pat on the back. voice, boys. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. punch on the shoulder. (laughs) You know, nothing like very... I guess dad and daughter like and yeah. then you know he ended up him and my mom had me very young so when you say mm-hmm. having a, a young parent that plays a part and then like where we're from we're from a small town in south carolina you did not see any type of asian oh, and black
1: yeah.
0: couples at all especially mm-hmm. having a child in high school like that was so uncommon wow and, like it, w- it was a lot of pl- factors that I know played into it, but I've never had a real conversation with him mm-hmm. to sit down and, and be like, hey, what happened or where did this come from? I wrote him a letter. Like I did mm-hmm. do that. I, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let me at least write it out and ha- let him read it on his own time, read yeah. it whenever. But he never said anything about it. Like he didn't, Yeah. he hasn't said he got it. I know he got it, but he never said he got it or anything. And so yeah. now it's like, I'll reach out and I'll say, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, and he'll call me randomly more, but I don't know. It's that I'm just like that with your mom. It's just like, no. And I want to break it, but I just don't know how to. Yeah. So I will say knowing, so there's a really
1: good book Um, in it. So it's written by a white man, but <laughs> But he, so he's a he's a, a psychiatrist, and it's based in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is number two in the Khmer population in the U.S. after Long Beach, which is oh, dope. Oh, L.B.C. I love Lowell. <laughs> I, yes, yeah. So Lowell, so Lowell, Massachusetts, mad Cambodians, like, and I, I love that space. Um, I grew up in Lynn, which big, big population, but the but the cohesiveness is very different. Um so I do recognize that, but he, he worked with, um, so this was when our families came to the States, he noticed the PTSD symptoms. Um, and of course like the stigma with mental health, but he was seeing folks come in like, like older, Khmer folks come in with, um, a lot of physical symptoms, right. Um, of like their stomach hurting, can't sleeping, saying that they are seeing ghosts, um, like looking like it was like psychosis. And he then recognized like, okay, this is, this is a very traumatized group of people. So he wrote the book called, I want to say it's called the healing, healing wounds. Um, I will send it to you if you want to include it, but he essentially talks about how, how we, how we as a, as a community heal and it's through storytelling. It's through the non-traditional therapy right so not so much like just talking to a therapist but like talking about it just talking in general but having that space to talk about it that safe space because also in our you know in our culture and a lot of different cultures like they think you know they think if you don't talk about it it didn't happen you don't feel bad yeah that's avoidance and that shit don't help it helps for a little (laughs) bit but it comes back (laughs) So, so yeah. So with my dad, I think, I think the difference was that me and my dad actually had conversations about it. Like he, like I asked him dad, what was Cambodia like? Right. Like I was just a really curious kid. Um, And luckily he was really open to talk about it. Like he had really a beautiful thing. So I feel like I was born there. I feel like I know so much about it because of that connection that he created for me. Um, So I, I always, I always kind of encourage folks like to, if you want to repair a connection, Um, just acknowledging that it's not about you, right? Like it's not that because you're, it's not that your dad doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't know how he doesn't have the language and it's not just the English language. He literally doesn't have like that ability to make that connection. Cause if he came here at at high school level, I can only imagine the shit that he's seen coming, coming over, right? Like the the journey that he's had to experience. Um, And those are formative years. Those are like teenage years where you, yeah, that's like that's the kind of where you build that identity. So, um, so yeah, just starting with like what was your story, you know, and to repair and build?
0: Oh, Mal, you just gave me a whole little session. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a lot of us to be well, speaking for myself, I can't even say for a lot of us, but for me, motherhood showed me I really had yeah. daddy issues like it really brought yes, out yes girl girl <laughs> it really brought out like man you really have some <laughs> childhood traumas that I guess you don't really want to be like you don't want to be in that category I always was like I'm not the girl with daddy issues. Yeah. I was like that's not me I would never I didn't do any of that oh bitch and and then, I was a pick, and, pick me girl I was girl. like, I was, and, like I'm, I'm like one of the dudes <laughs> right at, 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 I was, I'm oh, a bro, bro soon as I had my son (laughs) all the emotional floodgates just opened (laughs) everything just was like whoosh (laughs) here's all the shit you've been holding in for 20 years like here it is have at it now Mm -hmm. deal with it Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. has been like literally my journey for the past I want to say year is just recognizing that and trying to heal from that so like therapy's been awesome well it's an awesome thing and mental health is so important nobody talks about that at all
1: I mean yeah they don't talk about the ugly they don't talk about like it's so romanticized and 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 that's a big piece of my my work in decolonizing fucking everything right decolonizing our minds decolonizing healing but also like decolonizing like motherhood like the we there's a really good recommendation um called Like a Mother. And it is an amazing and empowering book. It's called It's like a feminine a feminist journey in like motherhood. And that was so mm-hmm. empowering to read about how like uh fetal care, prenatal care, postnatal care is so heavenly um white cyst male centered. Because back in the day, we had black and brown, specifically bra- black women as midwives with
0: yeah.
1: all of this knowledge and knowing how to birth and like nurture. And then these white dudes came in and was like, no, 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 you don't have enough credentials. You have to be a medical doctor. So that's where a lot of that shift came from um, the home birthing to this like medical is right, which is not, you know, and, and so there's so much shame and guilt and even wanting to have a different birth story that yeah. people don't talk about. And um so as soon as I popped my, my daughter out of my vagina, I was like, guys, my vagina hurts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I told everybody and anybody I was like, how are you? I was like, I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so get me a coffee, please.
0: How is the medical different in Guam versus from coming from the States?
1: Yeah, it so it, this island is so heavily fucking colonized and really like in, in the modern colonization is within the military. There's, we have like, guam is so tiny i I don't even know what state it's compared to but i think there's only like 150,000 people on this island including military and local and um there's like four military bases on the island that's too many (laughs) building a new one um so yeah so it's super limited like very limited resources i am one of 16 licensed clinical social workers on the island wow that's it Um, I think we have one psychiatrist, one military psychiatrist on the island for all the military folks. I think they just lost and then the local sector lost their full-time psychiatrist. So they have like a half-time psychiatrist. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. It's just been so it's so poorly funded which is interesting because we're a U.S. territory so we so they so they get a lot of federal funding but the politics is so trash and corrupt like a lot of the government so it, the funds aren't used properly um, the accreditations aren't aren't like the standards are really different from like mainland and mainland's not perfect but I will say like there's a lot of like you know governing regulations Mm -hmm. that kind of keep it ethical that's not here.
0: So (laughs) wow. Uh, I know. Do you like it better or do you miss the States?
1: No, I mean I, I I do appreciate being on a tropical island and being on an island with brown folks and black folks. Like that has been really liberating. Like,
0: yeah, y'all are the
1: minority, so suck it. I mean, it's funny because my husband's like super white from Tennessee, but you know he gets down. We've we've been we've been married for ten years, so he's like hella Khmer. Like he speaks some Khmer. Like when he drinks. Really? Yo, my people, my folks, and Lynn love him. Like homie gets down with the OGs. Like he loves Bahuk, um, all the Khmer food. He actually cooks Khmer food. Like I don't do the what? cooking at all. <laughs> so he he he's an outlier, but um, but no. So it's been really great, and my kids are like super Asian looking too, right? So like, especially with this like you know this bullshit of the the Asian um hate, it's been nice to be here. Um, yeah. But I do miss the connections back in the mainland in regards to like the Kamai folks but again social media has made me feel so connected I mean obviously like we connected through exactly Instagram. yeah um and so it really forced me to find that connection which is so important as a new parent at any as a parent like you gotta find your, you truly gotta find your community and your tribe that like gives you that space like and fuck those mommy groups that make you feel like shit like you don't need to be part of that if they if you right. <laughs> no motherhood is not Um,
0: perfect okay like yeah stop following these perfect moms on instagram yes like that they will make your mom guilt and anxiety just go so hard (laughs) and that's what they put in that's and they may not
1: intentionally but that's the societal thing of like and again that's that decolonizing healing and that mommyhood right of like capitalism will continue to make you feel like you're not doing enough so you can keep buying shit so when I get caught up in that, I'm like, do I need this to better myself? No. Do I want it because I like it? Yes. And that's okay. Right. But but to like, do you need it to heal essentially? Yeah. Like, do you need to spend money for that? Like I'm I'm also a Reiki practitioner and mindfulness coach. And I will tell my clients, like, you don't need to buy shit to heal. You don't need you don't need to buy shit to meditate. <laughs> you don't. Oh my
0: God. It will make you think you need sage, candles, a mat, all the, yes, candles, bitch, all the, all the plants before you can even start medicine. Yes. No, no. At,
1: you know, if you want to add that to your aesthetic and your, like your, your space like that, I'm, I'm for that. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging. Like I like pretty things too, you know, but like, but if that's, what's keeping you from starting your healing journey, um, that's an don't, you don't need it. And people, and it's because of Instagram and social media and these fucking blogs like I and Pinterest Pinterest is the killer I stopped going on Pinterest because everything looks so easy and perfect and then when you uh, don't when do you it try,
0: oh they make those DIYs seem
1: so effortless yep yep and that's why I recognize like I'm like oh this is this is toxic for me like um this is really triggering because I, I I'm not that's not me and I, and I actually don't want to be like that yeah. either
0: What are some suggestions that you can give the moms to help them kind of maintain a healthy mental Mm -hmm. state, especially for those that had to transition to working from home like myself and being at home with the kids more? What are some suggestions you would give us? I think my first one is
1: really acknowledging, letting yourself feel what you feel and do not do not show yourself. I think that was the biggest piece as a new mom of I should be able to do this. I shouldn't feel this way. Right. So recognize when you are shooting yourself and saying like, no, this is not helpful. This thought is not helpful. And and then really coming up with a like um like a list for yourself of what you need so like when, so not when you're in a crisis, but like in your, when you're kind of in like a neutral space, right. When you got to some time of like, these are the things that I know um, I need to do to make sure I'm taking care of myself and literally showering, like showering is huge. I think like all the new parents have never appreciated a shower until like newborn, right. Like, like right after the baby's born. So like, so being, yeah, being, aware of the things that you need to do to, to to take care of yourself at the basic level so not going for a spa date which is nice but that you you need to eat before you do that yeah. right <laughs> for real. so so like really like like making sure I eat making to- sure I shower um making sure I have
0: time away from the baby and the kids yeah super important because being up with them Oh my gosh. I was telling someone, my son milks my mom guilt. Like he milks oh. it. <laughs> he knows it. And he knows how to get me. And I have to say, look here, sir. Not today. You are not <laughs> going to do it yes. today. Where yep. can, um, mom, well, you do, do yeah. you do therapy sessions with, um, United States clients or yeah so the yeah so i am so i am
1: um licensed to practice clinical therapy with guam hawaii and massachusetts clients um but i also do coaching which is a little more um open. So if you go to my website, which is reset and resilient um, I do provide coaching services and that will look like, so again, so that's different from counseling because with coaching, I don't diagnose, I don't do assessments like that. It's more like present moment. What's going on? What would you like to, you know, what goals do you want to attain? And a lot of like, you know, the educational stuff that we talk about of like parenting, yeah, like parenting coaching. Um, so I do do that with worldwide clients.
0: That is so awesome. You are doing an amazing job. Even like Thank when you. I see your posts, your posts are just, I, I love it. Because Thank you're you. just like, yo, don't feel bad for how you feel. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, you if you feel like shit, you feel like shit and own it. Okay. Yes. It's and okay. ask yourself,
1: ask yourself, what's making me feel like shit? Is it because my kid won't get the hell out of my bubble? So you, <laughs> you got to be like, you know, bro, like I need bubble. Right. And that's okay. Cause you're also modeling. You're also modeling that you need space and you need to protect your energy. I do that with my 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 kids all the time when they're too much um, and not them being too much, but when I'm very activated yeah. and you know my my um oh and a big piece that I think is to acknowledge too is we so keeping a tiny baby alive is fucking scary <laughs> so let's let's name that. you have to yes. keep a child alive. I could even keep a plant alive before I had a baby. <laughs>
0: I'm like, oh, no, CPS no. is about to be in this house. Like, <laughs> and that is, a, yeah, that's a big pat on the back because I can't keep a plant alive either. And the fact that I've had a child for four years, we don't even think, yes, come yes. on, to that. Because that's, a, that's a big, I never looked at that.
1: That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> so when this girl had her first birthday, I said happy, I still do it every, every birthday. I'm like, happy birthday to us for keeping this child alive. <laughs> Where's
0: mommy's present? Because it's just hard for real. <laughs> Seriously, like, I'll every flat, and I want flowers so bad. Like, I make my man feel so bad. You don't buy me flowers, yeah, yes. I this. girl. They're gonna die as soon as they enter this house. <laughs> That's fine, it's the point. <laughs> oh, yeah, no,
1: Mother's Day, get me something, Father's Day, you, you're welcome. <laughs>
0: <Get me something. laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, you also have a podcast too, so Mama. I do. Tell them about that because you can get like all the mental health tips, like oh yeah, all of them on our podcast. Thank for real. you. Like this is just a snippet. Tell them about the podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you. So yeah, it's a little different. Yeah,
1: it's a little dark. So so I so I'm a co-host um with another um uh, woman of color therapist um neo so she's my homegirl. we do a true crime forensic psychology podcast but we really incorporate so many things it's not just so like the main episode will be about a specific like case Um, but we really break down like why did they do that what happened in their childhood like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> um but in a space where we're trying to learn all of the different things, and also systematically too, right? Like, where does society fail this person? Where does society fail the victim and the family? And we look at like the DSMs of like, does mental illness really create killers? You know, and really, and look at that. And we also look at a lot of culture. We bring a lot of like, um, we do a lot of ghost stories. So, um, neo she's uh, she's she grew up in a border town so she's Mexican um a child of Mexican immigrants so she talks about like El Cucuy which is like the Mexican boogeyman um where I talk about like op and um just some scary ask my stories so yeah so definitely check that out if that's something you're interested in it's called Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Neo.
0: You guys are just awesome! Like, thank you. So I, I'm in you. freaking. I love true crime, food competition yes. shows, and <laughs> interior design. Those are like yes. my
1: <laughs> guilty <laughs> pleasures. Love
0: it. Thank you so much, Mal, for coming on yes. and just giving us all this advice on and different outlooks and perspectives on mental health. And mm-hmm. like I guess I love just your way and your approach to it. Thank Tell you. everybody where they can find you again and how they can book a session or a consultation with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So
1: um, you can hit me up. I'm on um, Instagram at Mal Beckett underscore RRW. And then we have our podcast. Instagram, which is mt podcast with Mao Neo. And then my website is resetandresilientwellness.com and that will have more information about coaching. Um, I also do Reiki uh, meditation, Reiki practices that can be done virtually also. And I have a whole page on um, how to book like consultations, which are completely free. um so no, no pressure on that. And just, yeah, if you want to learn more about the coaching, feel free to book um, a coaching consultation on there.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, mamas. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it eased your mind and took some pressure off your shoulders going into the rest of your week. (laughs) Because you
1: you. are doing fucking great.
0: Right, you're doing a (laughs) good-ass job. Right, don't (laughs) let nobody tell you anything different. (laughs) We are out, moms. Until next time, bye. Now, mamas, I don't know about you, but literally after I recorded this episode, I was thinking to myself, girl, you'll be putting way too much pressure. Jeez, like it's okay to feel how you feel. Embrace the good days and the bad days because it's all a part of this journey. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe to the show so that way you don't miss When we drop another episode, turn on your post notifications, so that way you're always up to date from what I'm posting, when I'm posting, because we have some amazing things that are coming to the mom dynasty, and I can't wait to share them with you. All of the resources that were mentioned in the show, as well as the events that are happening this weekend in Atlanta, are in the description box, so make sure you check that out if you're interested I truly appreciate all of you for listening again. And until next time, mamas, I'm out.